What is going on, guys? It's Seth back with, once again, a Defense Wins Fantasy Podcast. This week, we're going to take a look back at the drafting of the rookie class IDP players of 2022. First round picks, 12 picks, going to go through where they fall after that first year. I'll tell you what, there were some fantastic performances out of rookies this year when it comes to IDP. And we're going to get right into it because I'm fired up about it. Now, number one, I still have Aiden Hutchinson going, number one. He's still worth the top spot due to defensive ends being tough to get. He had nine and a half sacks. He had three interceptions. The team feels like it's on the rise. There's going to be more sack opportunities because I think they're going to be winning more games. And he finished as a DN1 in most scoring leagues as a rookie. Say what you want, and we'll get into some of these other guys. But Aiden Hutchinson, as I said before the season started, he's one of those motor guys. He's got that always going to run down a play, and you saw it as a rookie. You saw him chase down the ball carrier 10, 15 yards down the field. He had three interceptions. Like it's, That's insane for a defensive lineman, let alone a defensive end that's a rookie. The fact of the matter is it's hard to get defensive ends in this league that are consistent high performers. And this guy came in as a rookie and did it lights out. He doesn't have a lot of other people around him, which can be a concern. But also, if they're going to get sacks, it's most likely going to come his way, you'd hope. And I think that that defense has opportunity to improve. Like I said, I expect him to be winning more games next year, and I expect because of that he'll have the opportunities to get more sacks. Already at the 9.5 as a rookie, you just wait and see if he can get to that 14 maybe next year, kind of that range. The interceptions could be a bit of an anomaly, but that's just another part of his character. He doesn't give up on plays. He's reaching up. He's grabbing the ball. He had a play where they – Faked like he was not even in the game, and he came out, covered a wide receiver, and picked it off. Had more interceptions than Sauce Gardner this year, so that's telling you anything. But he's young. He's talented. He's a homegrown Michigan boy. It's a great story. I expect him to continue to be strong for that team, and that's really why he's number one. The expectation's there. He was a high pick. He's going to repeat. He's going to stay in that top Top DN range, at worst, a DN2 kind of floor. 100%, I still think that Aiden Hutchinson is the right call for the first pick in an IDP 2022 rookie draft. Next on the list is a guy that I 100% could understand you making an argument for the number one guy that you should take, and that's Jalen Petrie. Dude, he finished at the... Season as safety number one. Not rookie safety. No, no, no. Safety number one in the league. 147 total tackles. One sack and five interceptions. He was an absolute stud out the gate. Now, the tackles could drop off if the rest of the team gets a little bit better. Shows, you know, some more capability to make big plays, you know, on the field. But... He makes big plays. Five interceptions. And the big thing about safeties is that 
historically speaking, they have one of the biggest shelf lives of productivity when it comes to IDP. So the opportunity for longevity is absolutely there for Jalen Petrie. The Texans are probably not going to be real strong next year still. They're still in this kind of rebuilding mode. They're going to be on their third head coach in three years. D'Amico Ryans, I expect him to be able to do well with that defense. I don't I do you do have a little bit of a concern that there's going to be a scheme change so that that could make Petri drop off a little bit, but the guy is talented. He has a nose for the football. He's going to be just fine. But yeah, as far as the number 2, it, it might even be a steal at the number 2 pick in this draft. As I said, the number 1 safety in scoring. But I have Aiden ahead of him just because of positional scarcity when it comes to defensive ends when when you're getting sacks like that. But Petri with five interceptions, 147 tackles, absolute monster rookie season. Next guy on the list is another safety, Jaquan Brisker for the Chicago Bears. He had over 100 tackles, and he played in just 15 games. Also had four sacks in that time frame. Once again, he's on the Bears, which have been generous to IDP style. Uh, they have an IDP style defense that's generous to the safety position. This team, as like the Texans, I think will still struggle a bit next year, which will give them more opportunities to be on the field, and that means more opportunities for Brisker to make plays. He finished as a safety number one, even with missing two games from the 2022 season. Again, these two safeties absolutely were diamonds in the rough if you got them in, in your fantasy draft. And if we're talking dynasty-wise, you're going to be real happy with these two guys going forward. Both of them have noses for the football. Both of them have an ability to make big plays. Petri with the interceptions, Brisker with the sacks. The style that Brisker plays with is conducive to his defensive scheme. It's going to be nice because he at least has the same coaching staff coming back for this year. Typically when you have the number one overall pick, that's not always the case with your team. And if they end up getting some more defensive help, say uh, Will Anderson or something like that, then even better for him. If they're going to be pressuring and throw, try to throw, you know, throw something out of there just to not have Mr. Anderson come and sack you, more opportunities for Brisker to get some sacks or interceptions at that point. So the third guy, the third pick in the draft, for me is still Kayvon Thibodeau. He had 49 tackles and four sacks in 14 games as a rookie. And he showed some flashes of brilliance this season. Not the consistency that you'd like to see, but you see, you saw those big games. You saw his capability to take over a football game. The supporting staff around him is really strong. He's got Aziz Ojolari on the other side who missed the first half of the season. Once those guys were on the field together, both of them really, really started to shine. And I expect the athleticism that Thibodeau has to keep that ceiling high. He doesn't have as good of a floor as an Aiden Hutchinson, but I could see him absolutely being more sack-heavy than Aiden when everything's said and done. The athletic ability that Kayvon possesses is something that once again, you just cannot teach. 
Both Hutchinson and Thibodeau, I think, are going to be very, very solid IDP pieces going forward. Thibodeau just doesn't have that higher floor that I'd feel more comfortable with a Hutchinson as a week-to-week start at this point. We have this same conversation in two years. I don't know if I'm still, you know, singing that praise. But for right now, what the play on the field has shown me is Thibodeau's very good, but Hutchinson's still deserving of the DM1 spot. And I'd still take both the safeties over Thibodeau, too, because the amount of tackles and big plays that both those safeties made give me a confidence of a high-ceiling, high-floor kind of guys going forward. And once again, we talked about the shelf life of a safety is dramatic when it comes to IDP. Now, when we talk about the fifth pick of the rookie IDP draft, we're finally getting into the linebackers. And my LB1 is Quay Walker. He ended as the linebacker one for all rookies this year. He started the season playing around 75% of snaps. About halfway, late halfway through the year, he was getting up to 100% of the snaps. Now, he didn't get to play 100% of the snaps the last game of the season because he shoved the the athletic trainer during the Lions game, but he's shown talent. He came on a lot faster than I expected. I thought him to have a little bit more of a kind of a warm-up year one, kind of ease into playing. No, they got him out there fast and early. He's got great size. He's got great speed. The biggest issue for Quay Walker is Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell is still under contract after last season. He's an older linebacker, but he they really don't have a good out for Campbell's contract until 2025. But that being said, he was there this year, and Quay showed that he can be productive right next to him. So why is Quay number one linebacker? Well, he finishes number one. That helps. He was consistent throughout the entire year. Didn't really have a drop-off by much. And you feel like there's just going to be... If Rodgers isn't there next year, they're going to have a changeover on the offense. It's not going to be as productive maybe on the field as much. Although it wasn't on the field that much this year, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. What's up with that? High draft capital, first-round draft pick. Walker has the talent to be a high performer. I'm still not probably 100% sold that he could end up being the best linebacker out of this draft, but taking the information that we have right now, that's where I feel the most comfortable putting my chips. And we'll explain why going into the next few draft picks. My next pick is Mr. Devin Lloyd, linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This guy came out on fire. Sixth line, he was overall sixth linebacker, or sorry, LB5 through six weeks last year. And then he fell off tremendously. I mean, tremendously. He went from linebacker five to linebacker 28 by the end of the season. He was on pace for like 150 tackles on the season. He ended with 115. He had three interceptions and a half sack. He's still a force in the league, and I still really like his upside. 
but I'd be a fool not to grade him after Quay, knowing that Forasade Olokin is still the best linebacker in the league and on his team. On top of that, Chad Mumas started playing him, another rookie, by the way, started really outplaying Lloyd at the end of the season. Now, why is that? Why did you have somebody that just came out of the gate, scorched earth, just tearing it up, just to become an afterthought of a, of a linebacker? If you kept starting him, he, he hurt you. He cost you games. I'm very, very concerned that Chad Mumas is going to start taking more of Lloyd's production. I'm concerned that Foyasade Alokin is still going to have a billion tackles, and if he has all the tackles, there's not nearly enough to go around for everybody else. I'm also concerned that the Jags are getting better. Their offense is a little bit better paced. It's not high-flying as much. They've got a little bit more balance to it with uh, Travis Etienne, and they, they have the ability to keep the defense off the field more often than they used to in the past. The biggest thing that really worries me is we didn't hear anything really about any him being too banged up or anything like that. I'd feel a lot better if he had some lingering injury that cost him to lose a step or this, that, or the other. But we're not hearing a lot of that. And that allows me to say, yeah, Quay is a little bit up on the on the list for me over Devin Lloyd. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Devin Lloyd truther. I love his ability, his ranginess to be able to get interceptions. He had three this year, makes sense. His ability to get to the quarterback. He only got a half sack, but he has that ability to do that. And his ability to just be a tackle hoss. He had 115 tackles. That's nothing to shy away from, but when you were on pace for 150 and dropped off that significantly, that's a concern. And you have the number one tackling linebacker on your team. All these things are very, very concerning for me. That being said, he's still a very good talent, and there's not much I would drop him down from where he's at right now. So sixth in the rookie draft, considering that coming into the year, he was my personal one or two, depending on which week it was for me. But, yeah, I mean, it's so it's it's a bit of a fall from grace, and he's going to have to earn some comfort with his owners at this point in time going into next year. The next player on my list is a guy that I did not have ranked at all before the season, and that's Jack Sanborn. Linebacker, Chicago Bears. Undrafted rookie out of Wisconsin. Once Roquan Smith was traded, Jack Sanborn took over the Roquan Smith role on that defense. From that point on, he averaged 10 tackles a game. He had two sacks during that span. And he was just lights out for IDP leagues. Why is he below these other guys in Seth? I don't feel super comfortable having a undrafted free agent going into the draft into free agency as a 
top-rated linebacker of the rookie class. That being said, if the Bears do not draft or sign a linebacker this offseason, if they do feel comfortable with Jack Sanborn, which in my gut I feel that's the case, I feel that's why they felt like they could trade away Roquan Smith, then I'll play Sanborn ahead of both Quay Walker and Devin Lloyd in my rankings. The only reason he's not there now is the insecurity in his future at this point in time. Because when he was on the field, his numbers were astronomical. I mean, he if he didn't go on IR at the end of the year um, for just being banged up and they weren't playing for anything, really that's why they just kind of did that. He would have won people championships. That's how good he was playing. So pay attention to the offseason. Pay attention to what the Bears are doing signing, trading for linebackers, drafting a linebacker, if they do any of that thing, I'm a little bit more weary of Jack. However, if they do none of those things, I have Jack Sanborn as a top 12 linebacker next season. Absolutely. No question about it. So after Jack Sanborn comes off the board in a surprise first-round pick, in comes George Karloftis as the next person off the board. As far as defensive ends go, case could be made to draft George Karloftis over Kayvon Thibodeau. Probably a little bit of a weak one, just in my opinion, but from week 12 on, George had five and a half sacks. He came on strong and consistent throughout the stretch. It wasn't one massive game. It was a sack a game kind of guy. And the fact of the matter is, you see a rookie that revs it up at the end of the season. One, punch through that rookie wall. Great. You love to see it. Two, they're starting to figure it out. Their team knows how to start using them. They're getting more opportunities, more snap counts. And Carl Loftus was good in the Super Bowl. He was great in their entire run to winning a Super Bowl. I think he's going to have 10 sacks in year two. Now, does he have the ceiling as Kayvon does? As I said, no, I don't think so. But this is a guy that could be a DN2 for the next five to 10 years, you know, somewhere falling between DN10 and DN20. Gets a decent amount of sacks, has the hurries, has the pressures, can get the tackles. He's in a situation with Patrick Mahomes for the next like eight years still in his contract that he will have a really good quarterback to have a lead and he can pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. Carl Loftus is, is a great person to have on your team. And honestly, if you're looking to pick up a you know a D end from this rookie class, trying to make a trade as a throw-in, Carl Loftus might be the guy you go after. Early in the season, he wasn't doing much. He started to gain waves, get pick pick it up, pick it up, and got better and better and better. The owners might not have been really paying attention to him because they just threw him on the bench and didn't really pay attention because they couldn't play him early on in the season when they were really focused on it. However, being in the Super Bowl always kind of hurts your ability to trade for somebody because 
they're in the Super Bowl and everybody's watching them play. But as far as I'm concerned, Carl Loftus is going to be a, a solid defensive end out of a really good defensive end class, in my opinion. So coming in at number nine on my list is safety number three out of this class, Kyle Hamilton. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. This was my felt really good about him. Pretty sure that he was going to have a stellar rookie year. But listen, his season wasn't that bad. Now, when you look at having a Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Petrie type situation happening. Yeah, it makes him look way worse off than he really was. He he did not get the snap counts early in the season. He w- took a little bit longer to get into that complicated um, Ravens secondary kind of playbook. But down the stretch, he was viable. He was usable. He was somebody that you could you could play. And the fact of the matter is, is that his talent's still there. He was still a first-round safety. He still finished with a decent stat line. 62 total tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. Five pass defended. And that's with him barely having any snap percentage in the first half of the year. The first eight games of the season, he was averaging 38% snap count. The last eight games of the season, 67% snap count. And his numbers went up as they should with that kind of expectation. He was he was a valuable player back half the year. Was he outstanding? No, but he was very capable getting around six to seven tackles a game, having some big plays in there. The comfort level with the team, they got higher on him. I expect nothing but better play next year. The biggest hope that I had for him coming into this year and why I was so high on him is I expected because Patrick Queen was so bad in pass coverage that they would use Kyle Hamilton because of his size as a pass coverage linebacker in the nickel formations. That did not come to fruition. In fact, they just said, screw that. We're going to go trade for Roquan Smith and give him a boatload of money. Whatever happens with Lamar happens with Lamar, I guess. But they solved their problem by going and getting one of the best linebackers in the NFL. That hurt Kyle Hamilton in my thoughts of having that flexibility. But they kept giving him more and more responsibility as the year went on I expect next year him to be once again strong player I am still concerned because he still wasn't getting into that around 100% snap count he is still getting a lot of special team snaps we'll see if that continues going into next year unless he's returning the ball I don't want him playing special teams don't get points for him so we'll see but at this point in time number nine out of the IDP first round draft Kyle Hamilton, safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Going into the double-digit picks now, we're talking about Christian Harris at number 10, linebacker 
for the Houston Texans. Hearing a trend here. Bears, Texans. A lot of players had really good years. Well, I wonder why. Because their offenses sucked. But Christian Harris had my biggest worry for him coming into 2022. Was how he was going to get on the field. They had Camus Grugier-Hill playing one linebacker. Christian Kirksey playing the other linebacker. Well, Hill got banged up pretty early in the season. And Harris came in, played well, and hey, he's a young guy. He's looking good. Hill isn't that big of an asset on the team, so they left him in there. Well, Gruger Hill got pissed off about that, wanted released. They released him. He went to back up somebody in Arizona. Really never heard from him the rest of the season. Harris ended the season with 74 tackles, a pick, and a sack. Once again, I said it before, I'll say it again. This offense will struggle again in 2023. And I expect Harris with a full season under his belt, full offseason to go through. He'll have more opportunities to hone his skills. Hopefully Christian Kirksey is back to continue to lead and mentor that team. D'Amico Ryans is coming in as the head coach. If he brings anything of that 49ers defense, their linebackers are equally good and equally fantasy relevant with Trey Greenlaw and Fred Warner. I expect them to continue being successful. And, at, you know, he's, yeah, he's the fourth linebacker taken off the board. But it's still, I think, a good value as a guy that maybe he's not going to be a starter for you. Maybe he's probably more like a linebacker three kind of situation. By week fill-in. But the opportunity for him to gain more experience and become more successful and more of an asset to your team is there. Now, number 11 is a little bit of a weird one. Second undrafted free agent on this list. Only cornerback that I have on the list because if you follow me and listen to my podcast, you will know what I'm about to say. Cornerbacks get too good for them to be good in IDP leagues. So you're not going to hear Sauce Gardner. You're not going to hear Tyreek Wolin because coming into next year, nobody's going to throw to them. Nobody was throwing to Sauce by the end of the year anyway. So ridiculous. Stingley maybe, but with him being injured and him continuing to be injured since he was in college, I... Not putting him on the board, but who I am putting on the board is a guy by the name of Cater Kohu, Dolphins cornerback, as I said, unrestricted free agent. He finished with 72 tackles as an outside cornerback. He didn't play slot. He played outside cornerback. Just for reference, Christian Harris, linebacker, finished with 74 tackles. Kaderko, who had 72. Why did he get so much playing time? Because everybody in the Dolphins' secondary was injured. Byron Jones didn't even come back from his injury from last year. It's assumed that he'll be cut during the offseason because he was injured slash kind of refused to play slash really extended how long he was out for his injury. And they owe him a lot of money and... All of it's none of it's guaranteed. So I think that Cater will get the nod to start across from Rex. But if they do bring another corner in because 
Vic Fangio's defense is very big on the cornerbacks being strong and stout and very, very good to be successful, then that's even better for quote-unquote Darth Cater because then he can play in the slot. And in the slot, you get even more tackle opportunities. Corners often worry me due to inconsistency and getting too good to pass towards. As I've said, you know, Woolen and Sauce are guys that I just will not put trade value in, will not go after at all because they're not going to be worth anything going into this. If you have them, go trade them now. But Cater seems to be in a good situation to still have value in year two. If he plays on the outside, he's playing against an all-pro safety and Xavier Howard. And if they go get somebody or keep Byron Jones, then he moves into the slot because Nick Needham tore his Achilles and is a free agent. Noah Igbenogany has been an absolute bust the entire time he's been in Miami. There's nobody that's going to come in and take that spot from Cater. So either way, he's going to be playing on the field a lot next year. And if you're getting 72 tackles on the outside, I feel pretty good about you moving into the slot and being able to do some run defense as well. So number 11 was Cater Kohu, Dolphins' unrestricted free agent cornerback. The final guy that's going to be taken in the first round of the draft is Trayvon Walker, first in the NFL draft, 12th in our IDP first round redraft. Why? He was extremely inconsistent. The fact of the matter is he had a big game early, And that probably was the worst thing that could have happened to anybody that's a fantasy owner of him because you felt like you could play him when, in fact, you should not have been. Week one, he had four tackles, a sack, and an interception. Holy cow, look at this dude. Followed by two tackles, two tackles, five tackles, two tackles, three tackles. Ooh, a sack. Five tackles, two tackles. You get the picture. Well, just not that exciting. Not something that made you feel like you were gonna play him every week. And that first week, probably you probably started in the next two weeks. And I'm sorry about that. That sucks. But guess what? It is what it is. But that being said, he's on a team that's on the rise. We knew he was a raw talent. They still drafted him number one overall. Not the way I would have did it, but time will tell. But a 12, you know, in a redraft, it's worth a shot. He was the number one overall pick, so he has some ability. Not as much ability as I thought Kayvon Thibodeau had and Aiden Hutchinson had, but I'm not the Jags GM. It seems like they've made some other okay moves, so I'll just give them benefit of doubt at this point in time. But he is the last pick of the first round of the draft, which is where we're going to stop. However, I've got a couple guys that I just want to have as honorable mention. Troy Anderson, linebacker, third-round draft pick out of Montana for the Atlanta Falcons. I've talked about him a lot. Go watch some of his tape. Could have an up-and-coming year this year. All depends on how the free agency and signings go for the Falcons. But it's definitely a name I'm going to watch. Same thing with N'Kobe Dean, linebacker for the Eagles. That is all dependent on TJ Edwards, which, by the way, 
Anybody that was watching the Super Bowl, dear Lord, T.J. Edwards was getting roasted out there. It made me frustrated for him. But he's now a free agent. Let's see if the Eagles re-sign him or if they decide to go forward next year with N'Kobe Dean because whoever is the starter for that spot of that defense is going to get near 100% of the snaps. So N'Kobe Dean is in line for a very, very fruitful role if T.J. Edwards does not come back. And the last guy that I want to talk about is defensive end for the Lions, not named Aiden Hutchinson. And that's James Houston. So this guy was on the practice squad for the first nine games of the season. It's a six-round draft pick out of Jackson State. He had five sacks in the first four games of his NFL career. Granted, he had a three-sack effort in Week 17 against Chicago, but he finished with eight sacks, second among all rookies behind Aiden Hutchinson. He only played in seven games. Needless to say, He currently has more QB takedowns than he has games played. You need to just put this guy on your bench. I don't know what to do with him yet. I'm going to be honest. But the fact of the matter is that you have a guy that can be on the practice squad and come out and just absolutely tear apart NFL tackles just like that. There is a gamer ability in this dude. There is a motor in this dude. And Dan Campbell, to me, feels like the kind of guy that says, if you perform, you're going to get an opportunity, which is what happened with James Houston. He was getting sacks on like five snaps a game. So if they start putting him in more and more and more, I'm not going to say he's going to have like 40 sacks, which is what he was probably on pace for. What I am saying is, you get a one, it's going to benefit Hutchinson to have more pressure coming from the other side. And two, this dude has the benefit of having Aiden Hutchinson on the other side, so he's not going to get double teamed, nor can he as much. I don't know what's going to happen with a sixth-round rookie, but a guy that gets eight sacks in an NFL season, especially his first NFL season, is somebody that's going to get some more playing time going forward. The opportunity is going to be there for him, Start, throw one, get him, pick him up, and just see what happens. Well, that's it, man. That's where we're at with the redraft of the rookies. We're going to start getting into the 2023 rookies going into next week. I'm excited to start diving into that with you guys. But until then, just remember that defense wins fantasy. We'll see you guys next week.